0: Iron is the ultimate symbol of impenetrability. In fact, an old naval vessel called the USS Constitution was nicknamed Old Ironsides in an Oliver Wendell Holmes poem because cannonballs were said to bounce off the ship's hull. But is iron a defense mechanism that's unique to humans? For a long time, we thought it was. But there's a deep-sea extremophile that makes a home out of volcanoes and wears a suit of armor to bed. But living the extreme lifestyle is just one way to thrive against all odds in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information.
1: I'm Joe, and I'm surprised you didn't say welcome back. A little bit taken, I'm, I'm taken aback. I, I think I speak for everyone. <laughs> Who are you to speak? I'm Carlos. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say I'm Carlos.
0: Thank you to Cassie for creating our theme song. Uh, to hear more of Cassie's music, search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. Today we're talking about a metal mollusk, perhaps the most metal animal we've discussed.
1: Possibly. There is a contender, but we'll talk about that later. We're talking about the scaly foot snail. <laughs> and you said this this is a suggestion, right?
0: Yeah, it was a suggestion from Doug. Yay, Doug. Doug coming in clutch with these amazing animals.
1: I'm loving this. Uh, I just... And, and he's he's coming up with some really good ones. Mm-hmm. Well, finding them. I guess he didn't come up with the animal, but God did. Uh, but yeah, the scaly foot snail. We're, uh, but we're going to call it here the spiky stomach foot. This is Gastropod. The Viking volcano vixen. And the deep sea chain smoker. But more on that later. <laughs> See, I get to say that now. This was a rough episode for me to research because there's a lot of interesting things about this snail and none of it is easy to understand. I spent 20 minutes on just this sentence. Sclerites are not homologous to a gastropod operculum. I can tell you what that means. I, I could tell you what that means now too uh, but it took a while. I,
0: I, I read that exact <laughs> sentence and I was clicking on all of the hyperlinks and
1: <laughs> learning what those words meant. But we're still in the business of naming things. Which means it's time for my favorite part of the show, critter Groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name of the collective noun for this animal? Snails, in particular. Uh, what is the name of the term of venery? Or what is just the name of a group? all a bunch of them. What would you call them? Would you call them, Joe, A, a smack of snails? B, a rout of snails. C, a clutch of snails. Or D, a polyp of snails. A polyp.
0: A polyp is an actual thing in the ocean. I think it's like a... Oh, no, it's like a medical thing. A scallop, I'm thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) Close. Man, all of these smack of not being real. Uh...
1: (laughs) Let's go with smack. Final answer. Smack of snails. Final answer. Sure. That's, uh, it's incorrect. Uh, as much as I, if that'd probably be what I named them, if given the opportunity, uh, because that's just fun to say a smack of snails. Um, and for a lot of animals, I imagine it's a snack of, of snails. Uh, <laughs> but the answer is route okay we've done, we've done snails recently and i think the last one time we it was uh so i could i knew i couldn't go with that one um but it's a route of snails also a polyp is a lot of different things there are coral polyps so you're right that they're in the ocean oh okay. um, and also you can get them like in your intestines and stuff it's just like a growth in a certain structure i think so i thought despite it that a,
0: it sounds like it tastes really good
1: I think We've it ta- sounds disgusting. It's one of We've my least We've talked about it before. No, it's, it's, one like, of my le- it's one of my least favorite. It's like
0: a favorite. popcorn scallop.
1: Mm, no. Popcorn scallop. It's a polyp. I guess just knowing that it's like a growth in your, like a, a living growth in your intestines. Like that's what comes up to mind when I think of a polyp, like a coral growth in your intestines kind of thing. It's just so disgusting. It's like, ugh. I'm getting like, hungry. Like I have polyps. I like I what do you put them down after that? But anyway, enough about that. <laughs> let's talk let's talk taxonomy. So it's in a kingdom, you know it. You love it. Did you do this out of order? No. It does the Oh, you're right. I did do it out of order. I thought I was going crazy. You are you were going crazy and also I did it out of order. We're doing the taxonomy <laughs> now. Um the it's in the kingdom Animalia. Uh, the phylum is mollusca. It's a snail. Mollusks. Yeah. The same phylum is um s- squids and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um the class is gastropoda, stomach foot. That's why I call it the spiky stomach foot. Um the clade is Neomphalina. Neomphalina. The family is Peltospiridae, which <laughs> it, it sounds like the first and last name of a dragon. <laughs> like this is my dragon his name is Pelto Pelto Spiridae um, the genus is Chrysomallon
0: is it named after someone named Chris O'Malley?
1: yeah that sounds like an alley cat in, uh, in the, roo- the rooster cats and the species is Squamiferum so Chrysomallon Squamiferum that's,
0: that's correct
1: I have a theory on the ferum part um we'll get there so first we got to talk about where this thing lives because there's a reason why it looks the way it looks and does the thing that it does uh it lives only in the deep sea vents of the Indian Ocean about 1.7 miles below the surface so super deep down there uh relatively close to Madagascar um there's only a couple of locations for these guys because they uh because there's only a couple locations of deep sea vents in the Indian Ocean, um, and just like the giant tube worm, uh, they love to hang out near underwater volcanoes that are spewing piping hot chemicals and metals into the water. So uh, they basically live at the bottom of the ocean where there's no light. <laughs> so now except that we know, except for the magma, right? But it's uh, they live near what's called black smokers, which we talked about with the giant tube worm. So it's not like there's visible magma. Uh. It's just black smoke kind of pluming the magma is like way below the the crust so let's talk about what these things look like uh if you have a trip tripophobia, which is fears of a fear of clusters of holes or clusters of things um or some analog of trypophobia uh the scaly foot snail may be kind of gross or disgusting to you i know it is to me i don't have necessarily trypophobia but like clusters of things are just naturally nasty looking. Um, If you type trypophobia into Google, T-R-Y-P-O-P-H-O-B-I-A, and you look at the images and you're unfazed by what you see, then uh, you don't have it. You're fine. Uh, But for the rest of us mortals, it's kind of gross. What do you think, Joe? (laughs) This looks like it's intending
0: to give you trypophobia.
1: Like there's people's like hands and feet that are full of holes and it's...
0: Oh gosh! Like they have some sort of disease that's making their pores huge, but like I'm looking at like the honeycombs.
1: Yeah, and so stuff. Like, I think there's I don't like a that. yeah, or like a, a lotus lotus seed pod, but like a, a a bunch of like a clump of fish eggs is just I don't know, this is gross to me. Um, but anyway, there's a, there's a, the. I have a fear of whatever this disease is that gives you holes. <laughs> it's the it's it's the Shia LaBeouf disease, the holes.
0: <laughs> but I'm looking at honeycombs, and I'm very satisfied in looking at that.
1: Yeah, I think it's just for different. Uh, there's different um, severity levels. Like for some people, there's yeah. For I, like for me, a honeycomb or a lotus a lotus seed pod or like a, a pancake that needs to be flipped because it's bubbling. Those do not bother me. Um, but some of the other pictures on there are, are, are bothersome.
0: Oh, uh, apparently sure. people, some are getting true, uh, trypophobia triggered because of the new iPhone with the three cameras.
1: Oh, yeah. I imagine if you have it pretty bad, that would be enough. Yeah. Enough. So that's the, that's, that's the craziest thing about this this snail is that it has uh scales all over its foot
0: Mm-hmm. well it's called a scaly foot snail. Yes.
1: Uh, if you remember a scale foot or snail foot sorry is uh, pretty much the entire part of the snail that you can see except for its eyes and antenna and snout but the rest of it that big amorphous mushy part that touches the ground that's basically its foot the rest of the snail is inside the um the the shell and it has a pretty interesting shell there are three whorls in the shell remember remember whorls we've we've done quite a few snails now Um, and those are the those are the uh the spirals um in the shell so there's three three of them and uh in fact it's almost the perfect fibonacci sequence i don't know if you look this up um it's kind of like a it's a mathematical Spiral that uh, occurs in nature, um, and the Italian mathematician Fibonacci uh, kind of put it to words for us, or or put it to uh, to graphs. So it's kind of it's a pretty satisfying uh, shape.
0: That's my favorite Ed Sheeran song.
1: Fibonacci sequence.
0: No, that's a pretty satisfying shape. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: very chill of him. Uh, it's, it's not this I would imagine the song is satisfying shape but nope. No, actually that's my that's my favorite um John Mayer song.
0: I was referencing Ed Sheeran's uh In Love with the Shape of You or just it's called Shape of You.
1: Yeah, but there's like a, there's a little bit of poetry to that um to that title, but that's a pretty good that's a pretty satisfying shape. There's it's just like it's is a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> So the, sh- the shell is really interesting. Um, it has three layers. Uh, we'll talk about the outer layer later, but the the middle layer is, um, is kind of an organic substance, kind of a mushier substance that some snails have or some mollusks have. And um, the idea is that uh, this layer helps shield it from the intense heat of hanging out near underwater volcanoes. Um, and also helps it with the, um, the pressure of being just really far below, (laughs) below the surface, all that water pressure that is, um, coming down on it. And then also the pressure of crabs, um, because there are a lot of animals, well, not a lot, but there's some pretty, uh, there's some frequent flyers when it comes to thermal vents at the bottom of the ocean, <laughs> and, uh, and crabs are one of them. Um, and they will sometimes feed on these scaly-foot snails, so being able to withstand the pressure of a crab claw crushing your shell uh, is pretty helpful, and this organic layer ostensibly helps them do that. Um, and then the uh, innermost layer is made of uh, aragonite, which is pretty common in, in mollusk shells um but getting back to the scales on its foot um it's the because this is a pretty m- marked aspect of its uh of of its description uh it's it's covered in these uh, hundreds of overlapping sharp ish scales kind of like a pangolin-esque you know kind of like a pine cone and they're uh We'll talk about what they're made of later, but, um, it's kind of like our friend the chitin. Chitin. What did we decide on that? Chitin. Chitin. I mean, no, not not the material, the animal, the with the magnetic teeth. We'll go with chitin. Um, it's it all the the chitin also has uh these scales covering its body. Uh, the scales are called sclerites, which is what. I mentioned earlier in that difficult to understand sentence um but the the chitin and the in this the scaly foot snail are not related outside of being mollusks um but this also helps them withstand the heat uh and pressure of being at the bottom of the ocean next to a volcano uh the scaly foot snail also has no eyes or tentacles uh it doesn't need eyes because Again, it lives at the bottom of the ocean. There's no light down there. Um, and it also can't withdraw entirely into its shell, probably owing to the fact that uh, it is is covered in, covered like in scale, man. Ar- armored scales. Yes, But, you know, you, we've got the giant tube worm probably next to it. You've got these crabs and you've got this snail. But is the snail bigger than the tube worms or bigger than the crab? Or can it hold its own? Well, there's really only one way to find out.
0: Mm, is there? <laughs> and that is with the beloved measure of segment the official listeners favorite part of the show part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions relatable through in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family it's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in the audio of yourself saying singing or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com we do have a new measure up intro today yes. sent in by andrew who Thanks, also said He said, accompanying this audio file, what I think about every time a measure-up segment comes on.
1: I can't imagine what this is going to be.
0: Well, let's find out. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. The numbers. What are you saying? Measure-up.
1: What did Did I just hear?
0: I think it said, the numbers, what are they saying? What is it from? I don't know. But it, it's very indicative of uh, your, your attitude and Measure Up sometimes. Yeah. And probably Andrew's. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, I do have a friend on that front. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs>
0: uh, well, without, without uh, delaying any longer, let's get into the numbers. Let's talk about Max Shell Width. They're about 45.5 millimeters or 1.79 inches. The average is about 32 millimeters, but let's talk 45 and a half. How many large scaly foot snail shells go into the amount of rainfall produced by the super cyclonic storm GANU in 2007? I like how the, the storm sounds like a kaiju's name. Sounds like an enemy of. grain or whatever?
1: What'd you say? Ganu. Ganu? Yeah, that sounds like a cosmic entity that Thor has to battle. <laughs> Here's a hint. The
0: super cyclonic <laughs> storm Ganu was the strongest cyclone uh, that the Arabian Sea had ever seen. This area of the ocean usually doesn't get large storms because of the dry air coming off of the Arabian Peninsula.
1: Yeah, that must have been crazy. Rainfall. You're yeah, lucky. I was looking for the
0: length in miles, how How far it was across.
1: The storm?
0: Yeah, but I couldn't find it.
1: That might have been easier because I have a better idea of how far across, uh, storms are in size than I do rainfall.
0: Rainfall is typically measured in inches. So I'll give you that.
1: I do. I do know that. But like, is 10 inches a lot? It seems like a lot. We'll say 20 inches if the graph yeah okay 20 inches and what is 1.5 inches for this this little guy 1.79 1.7 1. 7- oh, that doesn't make that doesn't make things easier um time for calculator math 11.1731844 i'm answer? rounding yes
0: the correct answer is 13.4 Whoa, that was close. The storm dumped 610 millimeters or 24 inches of rain and reached wind speeds of up to 270 kilometers per hour or 165 miles per hour. Those are some fast winds. They are. Uh, Let's talk about living depth, where they live in the ocean and how far down. They live about uh, near these vents, which are 2,780 meters or 1.73. Three miles in depth.
1: One point seventy three. Yeah, I think I even said that earlier.
0: So how many ant hills made by wood ant the wood ant species Formica aquilonia go into the living depth of a scaly foot snail?
1: Living depth sounds like a potion in Harry Potter.
0: Uh, here's a hint. What ants are known to build complex nests in coniferous forests of Asia and Europe?
1: Wait, so the depth of their nest?
0: No, the height of their nest. Oh, the, the height. depth of the... Yeah, so from, from the,
1: the, ground the ground to the top.
0: Yeah, if you were standing next to it, how tall would it be compared to you?
1: Okay, I'm imagining that's about two feet. So, 1.74 miles is 9,187 feet. And I said two feet, so we're going to divide it by two. I'm going to say 4,593. 4,593 Ant Hill Heights go into the depth of the... Where the uh, scalyfoot snail lives. I'm starting to empathize with Andrew. I mean, I always have, but like, what the numbers, <laughs> Joe? What do they mean?
0: You know what they mean. And is that your final
1: answer? Yes, four, four, five, nine, three.
0: The correct answer is one thousand one hundred and forty-one point eight hills. The wood ant can build nests that reach eight feet high.
1: What?
0: That's a, like a. Like an anthill that
1: can fall on top of you.
0: Yeah, I would not want to like... Hey, let me... I'm I'm hiking in the woods. Let me go up on that hill to get a better view of the land. Whoops, I'm sinking down to a red ant pile and I'm not having fun.
1: Oh, I'm seeing this and it is... It's a a big... It's a great big pile of nope. Because these do look like hills that you could just go stand on. And... (laughs) You're like, oh, and then suddenly you're, um, you're facing the worst, one of the worst fates imaginable.
0: <laughs> Indiana Jones four style.
1: Yeah, goodness, I uh, wouldn't recommend that movie to anyone. Um, and that scene is part of it.
0: <laughs> uh, you got any fast facts before we get into the major fact?
1: I sure do. All right, let's talk about what this s- snail eats, because snails got to eat, right? Uh, well, this one doesn't really. Um, <laughs> is actually what's called a chemotroph which means which, which I'll, I'll simplify it it means it uses chemoautotrophy for nutrition does that oh, make okay. things simpler yeah do you understand it now mm-hmm. Um. so this is actually an, uh, an insanely complicated biochemical process that uh, I do not have the natural intelligence to understand quickly so what I what I do understand that it basically means is that the snail gets its energy from a, a symbiotic relationship it has with bacteria that live underneath its scales, and so uh, the bacteria can create energy from iron. So it consumes iron and sulfates, and then iron sulfate. Yeah, and it creates uh, energy from that, and the snail lives off of that that byproduct of energy. Um, I'm not sure exactly what kind of energy is transferred to the snail or how it's transferred to the snail. Um, something about conserving electrons and reducing the respiratory chain. But um, <laughs> I will i will probably never know this.
0: <laughs> Part of the reason this is so difficult to understand is I was just writing a, an article for the website for LDT called what is an animal what is animalia and there's some basic rules and things that live near these vents in the deep ocean break a lot of these these
1: rules break the rules
0: (laughs) yeah like uh, one of those these rules is that it eats organic material and the another one is it breathes oxygen and the these the, the these bacteria essentially breathe chemicals like sulfur and they don't require oxygen it's it's a weird world down there, and
1: very interesting. They do what they have to to survive, um, and living next to uh, a volcano at the bottom of the ocean, there is a lot of iron, quote unquote, food for the uh, bacteria and the snail. So it's a it's actually pretty unique uh, feeding thing and uh, would be the fast fact if it weren't for the, or so would be the probably the major fact if it weren't for the major fact. So why don't you go ahead and regale us with that? Okie dokie.
0: So this scaly foot snail is one of the only known animals to incorporate iron into its bodily defenses. And we're not talking about like tiny molecular iron. We're talking about real iron armaments. So the snail has an Iron-reinforced shell, and it also has iron scale mail surrounding its foot. Uh, those those like little scales you were talking about, they're reinforced with iron, too. So uh, the foot, by the way, is the part of the body that comes out of the shell to help get around. In this particular case, it doesn't even go all the way inside the shell. So this scale armor is made of sclerites, which you referenced before in that yeah. weird sentence. Uh, which it just—it's ref- a word that refers to hardened body parts that aren't related to vertebrate bone or teeth. So these sclerites are made of iron sulfides like greigite and pyrite, also known as fool's gold. So yeah. if you've ever been like held like a chunk of what looks like gold, and then somebody tells you it's fool's gold, that's pyrite.
1: Basically, if you've ever gone into uh, any. Th- Anything that's calling itself an old-timey general store or a Cracker Barrel or something like that, and there's little, like, shiny rocks (laughs) and that you can buy for 10 cents, it's fool's gold.
0: Yeah. But you ain't no fool. You know it's pie right now. So these metals surround epithelial tissue, Mm -hmm. which is the kind of tissue... uh, around your organs and the top layer of your skin. It's just one of the many types of tissue, just like muscle tissue and stuff like that. So, uh, this hardened armor is most likely, uh, it most likely provides more protection than a typical chitinous or chitinous shell. Uh, and, like you mentioned, there's just lots of little pinchy boys surrounding them. So Those it's pinchy boys
1: it's, it's can't, can't get have. away from them. You are a snail. Uh,
0: so iron is more durable and less brittle than chitin and other organic materials, so it's nice to have an iron coating. But how could, how could it do that, A? And why doesn't everyone do that, B? So, first of all, too much heavy metal in an organic body can be toxic. In humans, high iron levels in your blood is called hemochromatosis. And it can cause liver disease and heart problems.
1: And also lots of heavy metal means you are angsty.
0: <laughs> However, <laughs> the snails have been found around three thermonuclear vents. Only three thermonuclear vents in the Indian Ocean. Not, mm-hmm. a- And t- only two of them spew out high levels of iron. So the ones around the third thermonuclear vent do not have these iron armaments. Really? So only... Around the two iron vents, do these snails have this iron sulfide in their scales and shell? So we aren't sure how they incorporate the materials, or these minerals, into their armor. But a brand new study uh, has unraveled some clues that are that were buried deep in the snail's genome. A study in Hong Kong was published in April of 2020 this year, and they said, and here's a, here's a doozy of a sentence. We suggest that the ability of uh, Lophotrochozoan lineages to generate a wide range of hard parts exemplified by the remarkable morphology disparity in mollusca uh, draws on, on a capacity for dynamic modification of the expression and positioning of toolkit elements across the genome. Now, if you don't speak scientist, here's some terms that my brain can handle, hopefully yours can too. I'm just the thinking.
1: An- I'm just thinking um, what Luke Skywalker says in in uh, the in the Return of the Wait the Last Jedi, where he's like, "Amazing, every word you just said was wrong." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, every word I just said was science yeah, nonsense. It,
1: it was. It was science, not nonsense. But science. Too much science. nonsense to me, sense to them. Unscience it for us. But in terms that a normal person's brain can handle,
0: the animals in this specific clade, which is the Lofrazo, tr- I'm not going to do it again, uh, <laughs> have a variety of anatomical armored oddities, especially mollusks, and may be genetically suited to developing unique modifications in their armor. You've, so
1: you've made it a little bit easier to grasp. <laughs> uh,
0: I was worried that it was just not. It, it it makes sense to me because I've been reading about it today, uh, but basically, mollusk genes. This these particular genes, uh, in the in the in just in mollusca, are particularly suited to having weird body parts and weird armor, um, and there's the gene is very diverse in that regard. So. They also discovered a gene called MTP9 or metal tolerance protein 9 that allows them to live in an iron rich environment and even incorporated them incorporated into their bodies. So they have a specific genes that they have specific genes that allow them to tolerate iron in this way. Hmm. So we're not totally sure why or how they do this, how they incorporate these. These irons, they used to think that it was actually from the the bacteria that you were talking about that are symbiotic with them. Yeah. But it's probably more likely that it's something genetic, that they're able to incorporate this in this environmental iron and just put it into their shells. Environmental. Environmental. Yes, it is. Uh, Mm. But that's all I
1: got. I, I learned an interesting fact um, while researching this, and that's that a, a snail's shell is technically its skeleton. Mm. It's, like, it's like an exoskeleton. It's just not totally enclosed. Because a skeleton is, by definition, an internal or external rigid framework supporting or containing the body of an animal or plant. So I was like, huh. And so te- technically the um, the scalyfoot snail is the only animal uh that incorporates gregite into its skeleton nice so when i saw that i was like it doesn't have a skeleton it's a snail but (laughs) uh it turns out that i was wrong like i usually am when i uh make immediate conjectures about science (laughs) um but yeah this guy's this guy's fascinating he uh he coats himself in iron and um and uh eats eats it too. <laughs> in a weird He eats in a weird iron way.
0: for breakfast and goes to sleep in a suit of armor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and fights off giant worms and ravenous crabs. It's like Dune. He like, makes this, a home
0: g- near a volcano.
1: Yeah. He's an extremophile. I can't believe uh-huh. we've gone this whole episode without saying the word extremophile, but yes. I I did say it in the intro. Oh, did you? Okay, good, good, good. I haven't heard the intro yet, but I'm sure it's great. But that's all I got. That's all I got. Okay. So for you out there in Podcastia, put on a hearty shell, snuggle up to a warm vent, and always be sure that your endosymbionts oxidize ferrous ions into ferric ions in order to conserve electrons and reduce your respiratory chain through reverse electron transport, like the scaly-foot snail. Here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy.
0: Life, Death, and Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast.
1: Yeah, I know. I don't know if how much of this is going to make it to the final edit, but yeah, between there's a baby crying on my left and then there is a there's a thunderstorm on the wind coming through the window on my right. So shut up, Sky.